Thank you, Christina. Will you join your hearts in prayer with me, please? Oh, Jesus, Messiah, the name that truly is above all names. Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the Lord of all. May we as your children never forget your many benefits that have been amazingly promised to us and fulfilled for us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you promise that you will be with us even until the end of the age when we will see you face to face and we will be made like you. But because you promised to be with us and because we are yours, would you now come with power today and be with us as Emmanuel, as teacher, as redeemer, as Lord and as friend. Open up our ears to hear the voice of the one whose name is Jesus. Holy Spirit, shine into our dark minds so that we will understand Your Word and what You have for us this morning. Because we're Yours and You love us, we ask You would take our hearts and may they be hearts that beat for You. Remove the cold, stony unbelief and give us hearts of flesh, hearts of faith. Father, if there's anyone here today who is yet to even come to know You, may today be the day where they understand who Jesus Messiah really is. For all of us, Lord, we ask that we would be able to leave here walking in newness of life, walking in obedience to You, walking in a manner worthy of the Gospel because You love us and You've empowered us and You've met us. And You want to change the world through the Gospel through us. God, only You could do that. Come and be teacher. Come and speak, Lord Jesus, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The Shack, written by a man named William Young, uh, a man who wrote this book really for his children. Uh, He grew up on a mission field, had a kind of hard time with God in many, many ways, uh, suffered abuse and some other difficult things in his life and wrestled through life and tried to figure out who God is and, and how God relates to us. And so he wanted to tell his children about this God and the way that God has revealed himself to us. And so he did it in a fictional form. Uh, He did it by telling a story, uh, a story basically that has a main character named Mac. And in Mac's life, he suffers amazingly deep tragedy of the worst kind that a parent could ever imagine. And because of that tragedy, Mac is trying to figure out who is God and, and how do I relate to this God? Can I trust this God? And so in this book, uh, God calls to Mac and says, come and meet with me, Mac. I want to reveal myself to you. Come and meet with me in this shack. Well, this book is not a book that you're going to be able to read and say, mm, I don't know. You're going to have one of two reactions. And those of you who have read it, some of you are saying, yeah, man, talk about the shack. It changed my life. And some of you are thinking, I've got to change my membership. He's talking about the shack. I can't believe it. It's not going to be able to leave you in the middle of the road. Uh, it'll force you to see things one way or another. 
But the question that's before us is, does God really ever call us to a shack or someplace to meet us and to touch us? Is that how God operates? I mean, it seems so far outside of the way we normally would see how God would operate. Does God really come today? Does He really touch us? Is God really present? Well, does God meet us at the table? Does He meet us at the table when we have communion with the broken bread and and the poured out wine? Does God meet us in baptism? Does He meet us through the water of baptism? And do we believe it? Do we really believe that there is a God who loves and who continues to reveal Himself and meets with us at a table or at a baptismal font? Do we really understand how God will meet us here? Because there's a lot of confusion. How is He present? What is He actually doing? And I think for many of us, many of us who call ourselves Presbyterians or maybe Protestants or maybe Reformed, many of us are, are kind of weary or, or leery, I should say, of the sacraments. Because we don't want to be disappointed. Is God really calling us to a place to touch us? What if we miss it? What if we don't feel it? It doesn't work. Can God still meet with us? This morning, our sacred journey finds its stop at the sacraments. The sacraments are what Christ Himself has given to us as means of grace, or let me say it a little bit clearer, as ways that God touches us. The sacraments are not a fictional thing that we read from a fictional book coming out of a creative man's mind. They come to us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in God's Holy Word. And they're ways that God says, I want to love you. I want to demonstrate that love for you. And listen, listen what God says. I want to tangibly be there with you, even to the end of the age. And I want to touch you. I want to tangibly touch you through these sacraments. So this morning, we're going to ask three questions as we come to this part of our journey. Three questions of the sacraments. The first one is this. What are they? A lot of confusion. Uh, Some denominations, uh, some beliefs will say there are seven or eight of them. And, you know, what really does Scripture say? So we're going to ask, you know, what are they? The second question we're going to ask is, well, how do they work? Again, a lot of confusion. I mean, how, how do they work? I mean, what really is here? at the table. What really is present here in the water? So what, that was the third one. What are they, what do they do? And thirdly, how do they work? And again, uh, throughout uh, the church history, there's been a wrestle with this and where we got to go is God's word. Uh, This is the way we know how God has revealed himself to us. It's not always as clear as we want, but it is sufficient to always lead us to Jesus He has to be our teacher again today. So let's start with this. Sacraments. What are they? Let me give you a warning. Uh, I know many of your stories. I know that a lot of your stories did not grow up in this tradition. I know that some of the teaching today may intersect with some of the things you've heard uh, growing up, especially in different traditions. Uh, Some of the things you may hear today may be things that 
uh, family, beloved family members don't see it the same way. Here's what we need to do. We need to look at God's Word. We need to humble ourselves before God's Word. We need to submit to God's Word. But we can't go out of here arrogant and go beat up those who don't see it the same way. we got to love them, okay? So, and again, for some of you, this might be new. Maybe you're new to Christianity and the word sacrament, what in the world's that all about? We're going to get into it. Uh, and again, for many, it may be a different tradition. But again, we're going to come and gather and say, God, be teacher, be teacher here. So the first thing is this, what are they? I'm going to give you a few different definitions. Um, and hopefully uh, each one will be helpful for you, uh, depending on the mind that God gave you. Some will resonate more than others. I'm a little bit nervous about the first one because it's my definition. Here it is. Tangible touches of God that strengthen our hearts in Christ. The sacraments are tangible touches of God that Christ Himself has given to us. And the purpose of these sacraments are to strengthen our weakened hearts in Christ Jesus. There are two of them. Uh, we see two sacraments clearly in the New Testament. They are baptism uh, and the waters of baptism. And they are the Lord's Supper. We see really two sacraments in the Old Testament clearly. In the Old Testament, uh, we have circumcision. Uh, circumcision was to be applied as a sign and seal of God's covenant of grace for babies, boys that were born eight days of age or older who came into the faith. And there was a second one called Passover. So the two sacraments in the Old Testament are the Passover meal, the Passover lamb that was sacrificed to, to remind God's people of what he did, of calling them out of Egypt into slavery. Uh, and how they were protected under the blood of the spotless lamb. Sound familiar? And how the blood of the lamb was put on the doorpost to the angel of death to pass by and to remind them of what God did to usher them out of Egypt and slavery through the wilderness and into the promised land. Now those two sacraments in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament have been replaced in the New Covenant by baptism for circumcision and the Lord's Supper for the Passover meal. So there really has always been two. There's been a little twist. Jesus says, uh, and Jeremiah told us that it was coming, the new covenant would come. Jesus says this new covenant of God, amazingly, is in Christ's blood. It's in His work. It's in His body. Uh, and the new covenant is certainly points all to Christ, just like that Passover pointed to Christ. Passover lamb. Uh, just like circumcision. God says, circumcise your heart. But there's one thing I got to make, bring to your attention before we move on, an amazing difference between circumcision and the Lord's, uh, and baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, and Passover. In the New Testament, guess what is missing? In the Old Testament, both sacraments had blood in them. The cutting away of, of skin produced blood. The killing of a Passover lamb produced blood. Now we come to a better covenant, better uh, sacraments. Uh, there's no blood here. Just water. There's no blood. There's bread and wine. Why? Jump up and down, get incredibly excited. It's because the reality is because Christ's blood was shed, which is sufficient to wash away the foulest sins we have. There's no more sacrifice that's needed. 
That one sacrifice was sufficient. So what was bloody in the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament, you see all those sacrifices, man was it bloody, is bloodless in the New Testament because of the spotless blood of our Lamb of God, Jesus, that was shed for us. So what is the sacrament? It's a way that he's going to touch us. Uh, There are two of them. Let me give you a definition out of the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, This is what this church believes theologically, how we stand. This is how we're ordained to make sure that we are in alignment with this. It asks the question in in question number 92 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. What is a sacrament? And it says this, a sacrament is a holy ordinance instituted by Christ, wherein by sensible signs, tangible signs, Christ and the benefit of the new covenant are represented, sealed, and applied to believers. Some of the, you who have theological minds just, just drank that up and said, man, that is awesome, that is deep. For most of us, we said, huh? What was that? What was yours again, Jeff? It's a tangible way that God touches us and strengthens our heart. The Reformers, uh, when John Calvin and, and that camp uh, looked at the sacraments, they said something very interesting. They kept on saying this, great little What is it in a sentence form? The sacraments are the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ in visible words. Sacraments are the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ come to rescue sinners and all the benefits of having faith in Him. The sacraments are the gospel in visible words. God knew our weakness. He knows our weakness still. He's given us His Word that's sufficient, and yet He's given us even more of these sacraments that can be visible, tangible touches of the good news of Jesus Christ and all the benefits that come with the relationship with Him. Maybe in summary, it's often been said uh, that the sacraments are a sign and a seal of this amazing covenant that God enters into us, a covenant of grace. Really, uh, the Gospels is a way that we see the Gospel, the way we apply the gospel, the way God applies it to our hearts. So what are they? Well, there's two of them. They're ways that God touches us, truly does touch us. Well, what do they do? What do they do? The first thing is this. They are signs, like road signs, like any kind of sign, signs that point our heart to Christ. There are signs that Jesus himself has given us saying, I don't want you to forget because you have a tendency to. I want you to remember. I want you to look forward to. I want, I'm going to give you some signs, some tangible things that will point your heart to Jesus. Kind of like a security blanket. All right, let's be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you grew up with a security blanket? You had a little binky, a little something you carried around got old and ratty and your parents will embarrass that you're carrying it around, but you had that little security blanket. Maybe some of your parents right now, uh, you notice that your kids will want to have maybe a special security blanket or stuffed animal. I mean, something that they can have that's tangible, that they can carry around with them. And what does that security blanket really do? Well, really, that security blanket has all of the, the touches of home, all of the, the smells of home, all of the feel of home. I mean, that security blanket is supposed to be for our children in their weakened state to bring them comfort, to remind them of home, 
to remind them, listen, a security blanket basically is to say, your mom and dad love you. Your mom and dad are, are, are with you, and then they care for you. And so this is a tangible expression. So, so think of a sign like a security blanket for our weak hearts that, that Jesus is going to give to us that has all of the feel and the smell and this tangible touch of our heavenly home. That, that God has these for us to remind us of home, to remind us whose we are, to kind of be a security blanket for us that he hasn't forgotten us. To be a security blanket for us to say, this is what he's done for us. It's amazing that the body was broken. It's amazing that the blood was poured out. It's amazing that that washed away our foulest sins. It's amazing he's entered into relationship with us. Don't forget it. Take the security blanket. It points right to me. It'll strengthen your heart. Do this in remembrance of me. So with baptism, uh, it's, it's a sacrament that we put on one time. Uh, it's a sign, a one time uh, that points to us the washing away of our sins in Christ Jesus. Interestingly, our confession says that each time we as God's children watch a baptism, whether it's an adult being baptized who's never been baptized or it's covenant baptism, that as we watch it, we are mindful that this water represents Christ's blood that was shed for our sins. How are we doing? It's a reminder that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon sinners like us once we become His children. It's a tangible sign and a reminder. It's a reminder that God has entered into a relationship with us. The, uh, the uh, confession says that we're to improve our baptism, although it's only once. Each time we see a baptism, we say, examine our hearts. God, thank you for this tangible sign. Thank you. Listen, if you've never been baptized, um, you need to be in obedience to Christ Jesus. If you are a follower of his, if you've said, yes, Jesus is Messiah, this is what this water points to. It points to the shed blood of Christ. This is what this water points to. Like Joel promised, a prophet in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon us. There's one more thing that this points to. And it's God's wrath. God uses water, especially in the Old Covenant, to bring wrath. Think of Noah and the flood. Think of passing through, how God's people passed through the waters, uh, the Red Sea, and how those waters took over the Egyptians. It also points to the sign that God's wrath, listen, God's wrath for sinners has been consumed in Christ's body. And now these waters point to the fact that we've been washed clean. These waters point to the fact that we've been filled with the Spirit. They point to the fact that God's wrath for His children will never experience it. We just get His grace and His mercy and His love. And He wants us to tangibly remember that every time we see the waters of baptism. The Lord's Supper. This is something that is sacrament that's to be done Often, some churches do it weekly. I think that's great. Uh, I think if I started a church, we probably would have done it weekly. Since I've been senior pastor, we've moved it to monthly. Uh, it used to be about every six weeks or a little bit less than that. It's something that we are to do uh, uh, often to remember. What it to do? It points to Christ's death. I mean, Jesus gave his disciples and us a meal that says, Don't forget. Don't forget the sacrifice. Don't forget what I've done. This, this bread that's broken, it points to my body that was broken. 
My body was broken so yours could be healed. This, this cup, it points to my blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Don't forget because, listen, your conscience is going to try to tell you what a loathsome sinner you are. And, and the enemy is going to try to drive you away from a holy God. And don't forget that my blood was shed for sinners like you. That God says, I love sinners. I've provided for sinners. I've provided everything you need to be holy and acceptable in my sight. I've provided everything you need to be strengthened in Christ Jesus. And you're going to forget. And when you forget, come back to the table and see the signs and say, oh yeah, the body was broken so I could be healed. Oh yeah, the blood that was shed so I could be cleansed. Oh yeah, Jesus' sacrifice so I could be loved and accepted in the beloved. A tangible sign. Don't forget. Is that not good news? The Lord's Supper really, it does, it points to all the benefits. It says, don't forget my many benefits. Don't forget them. Don't forget that in Christ Jesus, you and I have been declared forever not guilty. Don't forget, this called justification, because of what relationship we have with Christ Jesus, that He is making us more like Jesus. It's about His grace making us more like Jesus. It's not about our works. It's called sanctification. Don't forget all the benefits that one day there's a, something called glorification where God's going to take sin and fully just banish it from us that we'll no longer be capable of sin. Do you long for that day? No longer capable, completely forgiven. Don't forget the many benefits. Don't forget that I've adopted you in the family. Don't forget that everything that Christ earned as the rightful son, the good son, the obedient son, he's given to us. Don't forget your adoption. Don't forget your pedigree. Don't forget your mind. I know your life could be in shambles, and I know that you could run the opposite direction, but don't forget me and what I've done for you. It's a sign. It's given to us by Jesus because of our weakness. It really is. It's because we're weak and we forget. He says, I'm going to give you a tangible sign that points to me. Not only that, it's a seal that proves our hearts are genuine. It's a sign and it's a seal. For over 100 years, the good housekeeping seal of approval. You've all heard of it. Have you gotten the good housekeeping seal of approval? Can you believe it's 100 years old? Well, here's what they say. The good housekeeping seal of approval evaluates products, evaluating products to determine if they perform as promised so that they can earn the good housekeeping seal of approval. The difference, amazingly, of the sacraments that God has given to us is they're given to us what we say by grace. We don't earn them. God graciously gives them to sinners like us. It's an amazing gift. But what these are, these are God's seal of approval. They're basically God's authenticity of what Christ has done for us. It's saying, I've approved my son's work on your behalf. It really is authentic. It really is. It does perform as promised. These are seals that say, God's authentically here saying the work of Christ was sufficient. Foul the sinners really can be made clean. Those who were once far off can be brought into light. Those who had wrath can be given love and mercy. It's authentic. It's real. It's true. It's God's seal of authenticity. But it's also our seal of authenticity. When we partake of it by faith, we say, 
we believe in Jesus. We proclaim to him and the heavenly host, we're yours and we love you. You've loved us first, but we also, as we take the Lord's Supper, we partake of that, we're proclaiming to the world that we love Jesus. And this is a seal. This is, this is going to seal our love and our authenticity that we are truly His. They're also, not only are they signs to point to strengthen our hearts in Christ, seals to say that this is authentic, they're also symbols. Symbols that strengthen our hearts in Christ. They represent all the benefits that we can have in Christ Jesus. And listen, God, in a miraculous way, applies them to our hearts. God touches our hearts and strengthens them through these sacraments. We see these, what we call theologically, as means of grace. We really believe that God feeds us through these. We really believe that God changes us through these. We really believe that God is here making us more like Jesus. That these symbols God uses to truly change us to become more like Christ. It nourishes our souls. That's it. So we ask, you know, what are they? You know, let's talk about now. How do they work? And specifically, I'm going to now focus really on the Lord's Supper. And we're going to talk about how they don't work. How does it work? How does God touch us? How is He here? What is actually going on? Well, the first thing is this. The power is not in the elements. They're not in them. They're not above, around them. Um, There's some traditions that will say uh, that the actual elements in the Lord's Supper become the body and blood of Christ Jesus. It's not transubstantiation. And that is basically saying, some traditions will believe, that every week, communion, the body, the blood, actually become the bread and the wine. That Jesus is so physically there, that they're actually there in the elements. They actually become them. And those who believe this oftentimes believe that that's their salvation. That they will be taking communion and they will be partaking of Christ and that is the way they're, they're saved. We don't believe that at all. We don't believe that, that the body and blood all of a sudden mysteriously change and ring a bell into uh, anything other than bread and wine. I'm on thin ice, but I think I'm on biblical grounds. Christ's sacrifice one time was sufficient to wash away our sins. For by one sacrifice, God has forever made perfect those who are being made holy. If we have to sacrifice Christ every Sunday at the altar for His body and blood to actually be effective, we've missed it. When He said, it is finished on the cross, guess what? It is finished. He paid for all of our sins there, past, present, and future. This points to that reality. The bread and the wine do not become body and blood so we can feed on Him again. His one-time sacrifice was sufficient. It's not consubstantiation. Well, Luther got a little bit nervous uh, with the church and saying, well, it can't be the fact that Jesus is physically present in the body and blood, but here's how Jesus is present. Luther was a really smart guy, and I love him. He's an amazing theologian. But he said that Jesus was physically present, not in it, but in, around, above, and all these, like really, really close. 
And I think that Luther felt a little bit uncomfortable with the body and blood becoming the bread and the wine. So he said, well, Jesus is present, but he's just kind of like all over it. Luther was a great man and God used him powerfully. But again, I think he, he tried to get away a little bit from what the church was doing at the time, but he too missed it. It's not enough. Jesus is not physically in, around, above at all. Well, then there's a guy named Zwingli. And Zwingli came along and said, well, you know what? It's just nothing but a memorial. It's just, a, it's just bread and it's just wine. It doesn't mean anything other than what it points to. It's, Jesus is not there. It's just something to remember. And really what that is, is they went too far. They said, where's the power? Well, the power isn't in the sacrament. The power is in you remembering and me remembering. What does scripture teach? Where are we? We believe that when we come to the sacraments, that Jesus is present spiritually. That he's really there. He's always everywhere, but there's something special. Something mysterious. Not the shack, but the table that he calls us to. That Jesus wants to touch us and strengthen our hearts through the water, through the bread, through the wine, and strengthen us and make us more like Christ Jesus. Well, the power is not in the elements themselves. The power is not in the person, the priest who administers it or the pastor administers it. That's power. We're just sinful men um, like you. Um, the power, we believe that these sacraments aren't for personal use. We believe that God's given to the church. That's why we don't do them privately, uh, that they're for us. But it's not in the power, it's not in the one who administers it. Where's the power? I hope you know the answer coming. Hope you've heard me long enough. I hope you know what this whole point's going to be. Where's the power? Guess where it is. It's in Jesus. It's in Christ. It's by the blessings of Christ Jesus that Jesus wants to truly love and touch you and care for you and strengthen you. The power is in the blessing of Christ. It's not a corporal or physical one. It's not a carnal or fleshly one. It's in spiritual power. How is it really found in power? It's empowered by faith through the Holy Spirit. The only way that these have power is that God has blessed them. And the only way that they really work is that they're empowered by faith that we believe in Him, that we love Him through the Holy Spirit. The only way they're empowered is that they're blessed by God, empowered by faith through the Holy Spirit. They don't work if you don't believe. Even baptism. They don't work if they, you don't believe. They're just water, bread, and wine. But man, if you do believe, if you do believe, there's power. There's touch. There's presence. Do you believe? I mean, do you believe in Jesus Messiah? If the answer is no, don't carry around a security blanket that says you do believe. I mean, I think, think there's people who will come to church and say, I want the security of the sacraments without having the relationship. There's no security in here apart from the relationship. Don't wear a good housekeeping seal of approval if you're not approved. And the only way we're approved is by God's grace through faith. And the good news is you could be approved right now in Christ Jesus. But until you've come to that point in your life, don't wear the seal of approval if you're not. It's hypocritical. And Scripture says it's even worse. 
that if we partake in these sacraments, these gifts of Christ Jesus in an unworthy manner, he says there's some who've gotten sick. There's some who've passed away. That there's actually not only blesses, but there's curses in these if we don't do them in a worthy manner. That's why Scripture says, examine your heart. Get prepared to meet with Jesus. Listen, if God were to call you to a shack, and you were convinced of it, and you were going to go meet the triune God, would you prepare your hearts? Would you examine yourself? Would you spend some time in thought and meditation and prayer saying, I'm going to go meet with God and He's going to come meet with me? That's what communion is. Every time we put the bread and the wine before you, it's God calling you to say, come and meet with me. I want to touch you. But prepare your heart. Remember what I have done. Expect to meet Jesus here. Can we do it? Can we really lean in and expect to meet Him? Can we expect Him to touch us through the sacraments? It's so much better than the shack. It's reality. If you do believe, let me say these things in closing. Don't take the sacraments lightly. Don't treat them like a fictional book. Treat them as what God has given to us through Christ Himself. Do you really believe that even today, God wants to tangibly touch your life? and strengthen your heart. He does in Christ Jesus. Expect to meet Him here. Next week, next week as we round up the series on worship, um, we're going to gather next Sunday night. We're going to gather this Sunday night too, but next Sunday night, we're going to have a communion here service here. Uh, of all the things that we've done through the sacred journey, I think I've not been more excited about this. It'll be an amazing uh, Lord's Supper experience. We're hoping and praying. And I'm going to tell you right now, prepare your hearts to meet with the Lord. All right? You have been taught now what these sacraments are. Truly believe that God wants to touch your heart. You'll find in your bulletin um, a weekly study guide, a great way to prepare your heart to meet with Jesus, to be touched by Him, um, wrestle through this. It's a little bit theological this week, but you guys can handle it. Um, come back tonight. Uh, tonight we gather again at 5.30. There's something for everyone. We're going to talk about meditation that we talked about last week and what does it mean to have a heart that murmurs for God. We would love for you to come back. It's been an amazing time together. Love to have you there. And again, next Sunday, communion. Prepare your hearts to meet and be touched by Jesus. Let us pray. Father God, what an amazing lover that You are. That You would send Your Son Jesus to come and rescue sinners like us. Oh Jesus, what an amazing lover You are that You would give us signs and seals and symbols of, of Your work and that they would be more than just things that point to You, but they would be actual things that You use to make us more like You. Uh, thank You so much. Uh, oh, Holy Spirit, what an amazing lover You are uh, that You take these signs and seals, these ordinary bread, wine, and water, and in faith in Christ Jesus, You apply them to our hearts and You use them to truly grow us to be more like Jesus. Oh, great God, we thank You that until You come again with a power and authority that You've given us these to strengthen our hearts. And Father, I pray for the one here who's yet to be able to truly say that Jesus is Messiah, that they would not look to the sacraments to bring them any hope because there's hopeless without Jesus. But much more importantly, that they would embrace Jesus as Messiah 
and then open their eyes to see what these really mean and how they really work. Uh, Father, for the rest of us, I pray that this would be an amazing, mysterious time that You meet with us and You love us and You feed us in Christ Jesus. Father, the church has taken these sacraments and we've trampled all over them. And God, we've used them in the wrong ways. And So Father, forgive us and give us grace, Father, the way we treat one another. And Lord, if, if uh, there's things that I've said that are wrong or that you know, just are my opinion, may those things fall away. But if what was said was true, may those things stick for Your glory and for the feeding of Your sheep, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.